Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. of the Carolinas, a breath of fresh air, a voice of reason. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. And good morning. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to be back with you. And dare I say it, happy Friday. Hope this is a good day for you, a good lead-in to a wonderful weekend. I want to begin by asking you, Are you ready for the presidential season? This is 2023. And believe it or not, next year, we'll have a presidential election. I think I remember a number of conversations with people on this broadcast and beyond. People very much concerned about how campaigns seem to be 24-7, 365. It seems like we don't get out of one election before it's time to start for another one. Here we are. And I start here because we're seeing the beginning of the public aspect of President Donald Trump's campaign for 2024. And it begins in the state of South Carolina. He's going to hold his first public campaign event of the 2024 White House bid in South Dakota. Very important because it's one of those early states in the presidential contest. This event, 4 p.m. at the State House in Columbia. One of the things I'm curious about, especially for those of you in South Carolina, how many of you are planning to attend or want to attend? By the way, the former president is going to be joined by Governor Henry McMaster, Senator Lindsey Graham, members of the South Carolina congressional delegation, and state lawmakers. Part of the purpose behind this is to unveil his South Carolina leadership team. Now, this is kind of curious. Officials are expecting a crowd of 500. What do you think about that number? Is that the size we will see, or will there be more? I'm kind of curious as to whether we will see the same level of crowds as before. Especially curious for those of you who are ardent Trump supporters. Do you have that same passion, the passion you had before, 2016, 2020? Is it still there? Or has that diminished? 
Campaign officials say the remarks from the South Carolina State House serve as an opportunity to exemplify the strong support from elected officials in the state as we approach the one-year mark to South Carolina's Republican presidential primary. We've started a countdown here. Now, since his announcement that he is running for president, Trump has actually limited his public campaign appearances to events at Mar-a-Lago, mainly invited crowds or in a virtual setting. The visit to South Carolina coming as Trump's campaign has faced criticism, even among some longtime allies, for its low profile since the announcement. There's really not been a lot going on there. And we've got two people in South Carolina mulling presidential campaigns of their own. Nikki Haley, former governor, one-time U.N. ambassador, said she would take the holiday season to consider a White House campaign. You remember hearing from her quite recently. She told the AP in 2021 she wouldn't seek the presidency if Trump were already in the race. Senator Tim Scott recently reacted to what he has said will be his final Senate term. He's been making visits in other early voting states and launched a political action committee. And there's speculation this could actually become a presidential campaign vehicle. Whether it does, that remains to be seen. So I'm curious, where are you today? Especially those of you who are Trump supporters. Are you indeed excited about this appearance? Are you planning to go to Columbia to take part in this event firsthand? And the other question I raised, those of you who have been ardent supporters, are you still there? If there's a rally, especially close, close to home, are you going to be there? Do you have the same energy you had about this man that you had in 2020 and 2016? Interesting picture painted by Reuters in New Hampshire. We talked about early states. And Reuters has uncovered the mood and atmosphere for Donald Trump up there. He trounced his Republican rivals in the 2016 primary. And at the time, it was something that was stunning. You know, people may have thought, okay, this is a joke. But by this time, he had moved on from being just a reality TV showman into being a serious contender. As you know, Trump would go on to capture the Republican nomination, then the White House. But now, as he seeks to win in 2024, He's planning to deliver a speech in New Hampshire on Saturday. He's going to find the political landscape more treacherous than he did six years ago, according to party activists. In interviews with 10 New Hampshire Republican Party officials and members, some of whom worked on Trump's 2016 primary campaign, all of whom have been staunch Trump supporters in the past, Reuters found only three who are sticking with him this time around, just three, including the state chair, an influential Republican figure who is so enthusiastic about Trump, he's stepping down on Saturday to help his campaign. 
The rest cited exhaustion with Trump's controversies, exasperation, and the constant drama and the desire to move on from Trump's loss in 2020 with a fresh face, who they thought would have a stronger chance of winning in 2024. The public souring on the former president is a troubling development for Trump. A defeat could complicate his chances of winning the party nomination for president because New Hampshire often gives a candidate momentum heading into other primary states. A lack of enthusiasm for the former president, his prospects for winning in 2024, could actually hurt Trump because party activists do vital groundwork for candidates. These are the folks who knock on doors. They make the phone calls. They raise money. And boost turnout. Most of the New Hampshire party members who had cooled on Trump said they would prefer Florida Governor Ron DeSantis at the party's standard bearer, although DeSantis has not yet said if he's going to launch a White House bid. Brian Solomon, 60-year-old, a Hillsborough County Republican committee member, he backed Trump in the 2016 primary. He said Donald Trump right now is a distraction for the Republican Party in trying to go forward. Donald Trump has run his course. He likes Trump's policies, applauds his achievements in office, but now says he's got so much baggage. I don't think he has what it takes to win the White House again. The three Republicans still backing Trump said his voting base in New Hampshire remains enthusiastic. He's got formidable name recognition, and many Republican voters like his policy achievements while in office, giving him a strong record to run on, unlike the other potential candidates. So what do you think? What are your thoughts? Especially those of you in South Carolina. If you're north of the border, you can comment as well. (laughs) Stay with us. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.
back on the Vince Coakley radio program. Before the break, I asked about the mood, the atmosphere, especially among Trump supporters. Those of you who have supported him in the past, where are you today? Over on the text line, I'm not able to attend, but many of us are wondering why he's going to have Lindsey Graham there. Oh, come on. You know, Lindsey Graham, the suck up. It worked, too. (laughs) I voted for Trump four times, twice in the primaries, twice in the general. I will not vote for him in the primary again, but will in the general if necessary. I don't like him personally, but he has the right conservative ideas. We have this in the upstate. I'm a Trump supporter. However, he needs to stop. Stay in Florida. I'm waiting on DeSantis. My husband and I are driving his truck down tomorrow. And it's six Trump 2024 flags and signs on the back of it. Well, there's a true fan right there. Trump plus a non-rhino, yes. Trump plus a swamp person, I am done with him. Okay. Vince, I'm not going. I think there will be more than 500 people there. A lot more. You can't campaign against the swamp, then turn around and have them on stage with you. (laughs) Folks, this hasn't changed. This isn't new. It's kind of bizarre, but nonetheless. Let us see what else we have here expressing views about 2024. Vince, I honestly wanted DeSantis as the leader of the Republican Party as the president of the United States. I voted for Trump the past two times. If he's our primary candidate, he will get my vote for the third time. Trump 2024, DeSantis 2028, if that is the case. Most Trump supporters like myself don't have the same energy we had in 2020 because of January 6th and his recent statement supporting Mike Pence. Wow, this, there are so many nuances and positions. Like, that is bizarre to me. Now, for those of you not familiar, the issue with Mike Pence over the classified documents, I think there are people who were hoping that Donald Trump would take the opportunity to just take him down. And he, in fact, he has expressed support and said he's a good man. Now, my own, I've got a theory on that. And my theory is, I don't think he sees Mike Pence as a threat at all. I mean, uh, let's be honest. Mike Pence is about as inspiring as, um, let's see, who is the guy who was the teacher on Ferris Bueller's Day Off? <laughs> Seriously. I, I, he has nothing to fear from Mike Pence. Nothing at all. <laughs> this person says, boy, oh boy, I can't wait to refill my Kool-Aid pitcher. <laughs> that is pretty clever. Vince, don't you think a Trump Marjorie Taylor Green ticket in 2024 would win in a landslide? Yeah, right. Trump is a distraction that will hinder Republicans from unifying around a single candidate, giving Democrats yet another win. Vince, I'm ready to move forward from Donald Trump. Because of some of the same concerns that you have. I'd love to see a Ron DeSantis presidency. But if Trump ends up being the nominee, I'll vote for him. Did a better job with our economy and foreign policy. He would definitely be a lot better than the alternative. That is from Jeff. Vince, great show. I think DeSantis is all Trump is. 
and all Trump isn't. Trump will just damage our chances of winning the presidency. I don't think he can win. I think this train has come and gone. For the sake of humanity, no more Trump. Please, no more Biden. Buffoons. <laughs> Just a sampling of some of the items over on the text line. Let's go out to a call from Frankie, who is in the sprawling metropolis of Gastonia. Good morning, Frankie. Hey, Vince, you have a great show, by the way. Well, thank you. Well, listen, um, yeah, I voted for Trump twice. I won't be voting for him again. I think that... Uh, there's a scripture, and Paul's talking to a group of people. I don't know if it's the Philippians or whatever in the Bible, where they started out in the spirit, and then they started getting back into the flesh. And that's, you know, many people were praying and, and getting behind Trump that way. And, and now it just seems like if he's—I think he lost the election by himself by getting back into the flesh and trying to push things around the way he did with the Georgia thing. And I, he, he just doesn't stop. You know, he doesn't turn the other cheek. And there's just so many things. And I, I know he's done a lot of great things, but he, he's, he's, I just got a feeling he's just going to mess it up again. Okay, uh, fair enough. Uh, appreciate your call there, Frankie. By the way, we haven't discussed it here. Uh, maybe we'll talk about it at some point. I, I don't even know how energized or intrigued I am about it. But the evangelical community, is very cool on Trump this time around. Frankly, Graham making clear he's not going to endorse Trump or anybody else in the primary, which is telling, because he was all in back in 2016. So that's going to be interesting to see who actually gets the alleged evangelical vote. Let's go out to Brandon out of York County. Good morning, Brandon. Hi, Vince. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I voted for Donald Trump in both 2016 and 2020, but I think his hold over the GOP has waned a lot. And I believe that Ron DeSantis will be the GOP nominee in 2024 with Tulsi Gabbard as his vice president. Oh, no, you're kidding me. Tulsi Gabbard, really? You know, she's um, still a lefty, uh, even though she's, she's not as crazy. Party ...and left um, to become an independent. Right. Uh, still very much uh, on the left, but but I, I understand your sentiment. I'm curious, how does this play out? I want to know from you, Brandon, how this plays out. How early are we going to get an indication as to whether Donald Trump is going to be able to get traction like he did before? How soon are we going to know? It will probably be Iowa, maybe South Carolina. But watch Florida very closely if DeSantis decides to go in. Okay. Okay. Uh, so you're saying next year. You think this is going to be something where the president's going to run hard this year, and we're not going to know until next year whether others are in and whether uh, this campaign's actually viable. Exactly. There okay. might be some more who come in later this summer, towards the fall, but it's really going to pick up towards November 2023. Okay, uh, fair enough. Uh, Brendan, appreciate your call out of York County this morning. I've got, you know, I'm offering all kinds of theories this morning. I think part of what's going on with Ron DeSantis, I think he's going to watch and wait and see what happens with the Trump campaign. Because would it not be a better scenario for him if he doesn't get in, he just stays on the sidelines 
and watches the potential of Trump imploding and then jumps in. I mean, why get in and get bloodied right now? What's the point? That's one perspective on this. Coming up, we'll get more of your opinions on this subject. Also talk about Democrats, some who are looking beyond Joe Biden. Boy, what a surprise. We'll talk about that and much more as we continue our Friday broadcast. Stay with us. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program on this Friday. Uh, this is really, uh, I think, very telling text. Yeah. Another part of me is like, folks, this is not any different than 2016 or 2020. With all of these folks who learned to suck up to Donald Trump at the right time. This text is saying, I don't know if I'm going to vote for Trump again. I was really hoping he had learned his lesson with people he surrounded himself with. But if he's going to have Lindsey Graham there, it makes me wonder. Lindsey Graham has been there. This really isn't a change at all. What I think is interesting is that now that the other things have basically taken Trump down a few notches, I think people are paying closer attention to things that have been there all along. This is not new. Not new at all. Let's talk about Democrats. Political has a story about some names you're probably going to hear in the future. And they are based on events that have happened in state capitals. The name's Josh Shapiro. Josh Shapiro is one of those names. This guy took the oath of office last week on a stack of scripture that included a Hebrew type Bible from Pittsburgh's Tree of Life Synagogue, site of the deadliest anti-Semitic attack in American history. Invoking his Jewish faith in his inaugural address, more memorable on a brisk but not bitter day outside Pennsylvania's grand capital, was what happened when the St. Thomas Gospel Choir from Philadelphia performed Lift Every Voice and Sing. Shapiro sang along with them mouthing the lyrics to the black national anthem from heart while unabashedly rocking back and forth on both legs. This guy's figured it out already, hasn't he? Knowing the words to that song. The next day, outside Maryland's history-drenched state house in Annapolis, it was Oprah Winfrey who left many attendees, perhaps even a few locals, 
starstruck. Winfrey is the guy, is the, the guy. Winfrey is the person who introduced Governor Wes Moore, the state's first black governor. Only the third ever elected African-American governor. However, the more revealing presence on stage may have been that of somebody few recognized. Lieutenant Colonel Jamie Martinez. Martinez took the microphone to remind an audience that included Eric Holder, Chris Tucker, and Cal Ripken. The 44-year-old Moore isn't just a political phenom. He was also a fellow soldier from the 82nd Airborne who led troops in Afghanistan. Looks like a couple of people who were building some strong resumes. Political reports both new governors reached deep into their state's past to evoke America's promise and trumpet their own. Shapiro recalled William Penn's credo of religious tolerance. Moore reminded his audience that while they stood just up the hill from docks where slaves were brought, the inauguration was no indictment of the past, but rather a celebration of our collective future. Boy, that's a great message. That's a great message. It all felt like a highly choreographed preview of future ambitions, campaigns, and perhaps swearing ends. Eric Holder told the reporter for Politico, this will not be the only inauguration with him we go to. He said of Moore, he's got that thing. As Democrats bemoan their political bench, there's a frequent glasses half empty refrain about the most often mentioned prospects waiting behind the 80-year-old in the White House. Kamala Harris can't win a general election. Pete Buttigieg can't win a primary. And there's no way Michelle Obama's going to run. Or will she? Senators Mark Kelly, Raphael Warnock, an actual astronaut and an actual pastor of Martin Luther King Jr.'s Ebenezer Baptist Church, paired their sterling bios with a demonstration of their electoral chops, winning in a pair of formerly red states that just now happen to be political presidential backgrounds. In another show of strength, Governor Gretchen Whitmer won re-election. That was in Michigan. Ten points on the electoral map. Then there are the three new Democrat governors from the Northeast, Shapiro, Moore, and Mara Heasley out of Massachusetts, who all thrashed MAGA. <laughs> I love how this guy describes the candidates, the Republicans, magified Republicans. They were all born after 1970 and all have law enforcement or military credentials. Now, which of them would be willing to run or viable if they did? Should President Biden change course and not seek re-election? That's another story. But there's no lack of traffic at the foot of that bridge. The presidential landscape could see a new generation of Democrats. I'm curious, what do you think of these new names, these new folks? 
I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. And honestly, I don't rule out somebody runs against Biden. Especially if he falters significantly over the next year. It will be very interesting to see if there's anyone who sees such a weakened Joe Biden that they decide to jump in. (laughs) I love this text. Vince, Raphael Warnock, an actual pastor, that apostate supports abortion. Well, of course. (laughs) Also on the text line, I voted for Trump. I really hope he does not run again. He's damaged goods, be it fair or unfair. It is a reality. I prefer another Republican. Whoever that will be, I will vote for that person over any Democrat. Trump needs to remember what Lindsey Graham said toward Trump. He can go to hell. Really? It's funny to listen to all the butthurt people who don't like President Trump, but like all the great things he did for the country. In my humble opinion, these people are just not too smart. Put your little crybaby ways aside. And vote for the person who's going to be the best for our country. President Trump has a proven track record that shows he can do for our country. You do great things for our economy and our country on the world stage. Hashtag Trump 2024. That's Ron who has written that in. Interesting. What are your thoughts on the Democrat landscape? Do you think Biden runs again? And if not... Who among these people we mentioned emerges as the heir apparent to Joe Biden? Also coming up, we're going to talk about the Panthers, big developments there, and in many ways, surprising developments. That much more as we continue the broadcast. Stay with us. take a little break from the political discussion, which we'll get back to in the next hour, if time permits. Talk about what's happened with the Carolina Panthers. We now have Frank Reich, who's been now announced as the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers. I don't know about you. I'm not a person who follows the NFL, but I will say I'm kind of surprised the timing of this announcement. I think I may not be the only person who is surprised by this. And I have seen a lot of social media over the last 24 hours of people who are really ticked off that Steve Wilkes has basically been thrown under the bus here. So wanted to get some insight on all of this. 
Who else do we go to but our good friend, Chris McClain, Mac Attack from WFNZ. Uh, good morning. How are you doing today, Chris? Doing good, Vince. How you been, man? Hey, doing pretty well. Uh, so uh, am, is this a sentiment? And what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing out there, is this pretty much what you're seeing and hearing? Yeah, I mean, we just did four hours, right, over on FNZ, and it's pretty much, you know, full tilt, wall-to-wall. How do you feel about the new coach, Frank Reich? And how do you feel about the fact that Steve Wilkes did not get the chance to be the full-time coach? And, I mean, there are people passionate on either side. I kind of look at it like I feel like both these things can be true, Vince. I feel like you can look at the Frank Reich hire and try to look at it in a vacuum and just is he a guy that's had three winning seasons in Indy in his first four years there? What went wrong there, I don't think is his fault. They never gave him stability at quarterback, and he still found a way to have three winning seasons. Like I think Frank Reich is a good hire, especially if we're going to go out and get a young quarterback. I think he's a good guy to kind of groom a young quarterback. But I also think on the flip side, though, if you're just looking at that and not acknowledging what happened to Steve Wilkes, like, I, I, I'm not with you on that. Like I feel like you also have to acknowledge that Steve Wilkes in his own right, too, did enough, I thought, to be the head coach of this football team. So I think the Panthers be all right moving forward. It's just hard for me to get past the sting of class act, Charlotte guy, Steve Wilkes, who completely revitalized that locker room, gave them an identity to coach rule in two plus years, could never do, uh, re-energized our fan base. Um, and, and just that he's not going to get an opportunity. It just kills me, man. It really does. But if you ask me to, to, to say, okay, does that mean Frank Reich stinks as a hire? No, I actually think he's a solid hire. But it's going to take time, I think, for fans to get over what happened with Wilkes. Yeah, this is just a sampling. Uh, I extracted these from social media. My friend Daryl said the Panthers organization is such a complete disappointment. Coach Wilkes was absolutely disrespected. Jedediah, if you support the Panthers after this move, I have no words for you. Frank Reich is a middle-of-the-road hire. Even though I personally didn't care for Wilkes, I do know he's deserving of a shot. Um, that's just a sampling of what I have seen um, just in the last little while. So we move ahead, and what can we expect? What are we going to see that's different from what we see now in a Coach Wilkes? Well, it's it's and, and this is why the move was made, and I don't like it either, but David Tepper has been dead set on this coach being an offensive-minded head coach. It's something actually Carolina Panthers have never had, and it is, I mean, you look around the NFL, I would say 70% are probably come from offensive backgrounds where they were offensive assistants before they were head coaches. It's the trend in the league, seven of the last eight playoff teams alive uh, last weekend had offensive coaches. So I understand that. I just feel like what Steve Wilkes did call for kind of maybe like a break, uh, you know, just I thought it was extraordinary circumstances that somebody could completely turn around a locker room and a team and create a culture and identity that quickly. I thought maybe he should have broke with his desire for an offensive coach. He didn't. And I think and I really do wonder, Vince, did Steve Wilkes ever really have a chance where they just kind of going through these interviews, you know, just to kind of make it look like they gave him a fair chance because ultimately he wanted an offensive guy. And that is what Dave, Te Dave Tepper hopes. I would think they draft a quarterback in the first round this year. And this is the guy he wants to groom. And I think David Tepper looks at the numbers. Most, you know, most successful teams nowadays have an offensive minded coach, but I, it's tough. I get why he did it, but man, Steve Wilkes did something really special. He did. Uh, you know, one of the things I'm curious about, uh, when we see the uh, the beginning, you know, beyond the announcements and all the hype associated with that, what do you expect to see early on? 
uh, out of new leadership, what, what what kinds of things is he going to target? What do you expect him to make? Uh, you know, sort of moves will he make as priorities early on? Well, he's, he's putting together the staff. It's going to be really interesting. His defensive coordinator is going to be a really interesting choice. How accomplished is that guy? Who does he end up bringing in here? Because, again, he's kind of an offensive side of the ball guy. So, you know, that young defense has some, has some young studs, talent, Who's going to be leading them moving forward? That's going to be important. Um, I know he was talking to the folks at Panthers.com saying that David Tepper has assured him you will you will have a chance to put together an elite staff. So I think that means some of, you know, Daddy Warbucks money over there, some of David Tepper's <laughs> money, which which there's no salary cap on on coaching salaries. So that would be nice. Um, uh, it's going to be interesting to see, though, uh, who he puts together. And then the next step, Vince, is the same thing we talk about every offseason since Cam had a shoulder problem, right? Who is the quarterback we're going to go get? And I hope this year it's a young guy in the draft and not not another retread, you know. I'm I'm fully with you. You're thrown away by somebody else. I hope it's our own young guy to develop. Yeah, that's it's going to be a great opportunity to to uh, see that happen. Uh, Chris McLean, Mac Attack WFNZ, thanks a lot for joining us on the broadcast this morning, and uh, look forward to talking with you again soon, sir. Thanks, Vince. Have a good weekend, man. Hey, you as well. Still ahead. It's weekend time, right? Coming up, we've got Faith Focus Friday. And we'll also delve into an exercise in ignorance. You'll really love this one. (laughs) Stay with us. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.